Thank you so much for doing this, sir. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me, and thanks for uh, rescheduling. Oh, no problem, man. So first of all, how are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Much better. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just ate something on the fly, and it just did not agree with me. That's okay, man. It happens to the best of us. Like I said, I had that last week. It's rough. Yeah. Just need to yeah. shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are things where you're at in Chicago with the, you know, the current climate of the world? How's that going? Uh, you know what? It's, it's, uh, I can't complain personally. You know, I don't have it as hard or as difficult as other people. You yeah. know, and two, I'm not in the same situation as uh, a lot of other people with, uh, with all the up, upheavals and all the, uh, you know, the virus is treating people not well and uh, all the social unrest, you know, it's, it's about time that for me, in my opinion, it's about time that these things come up surface because things can't change unless they are addressed and clear. Sure. So right now that is happening and I know people think it's rough, but you know, growing pains, it's all growing pains and hopefully everyone will come out as a better person. Absolutely. I agree. That's a great way to look at it, man. Well, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. I'm glad you're doing well. Yeah. No, uh, Thanks. How are you guys uh, doing over there? Pittsburgh's great, man. Yeah, we're, we're hanging in. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, pretty much back to open and, you know, there's restrictions everywhere and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's, it's for the best. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon, but yeah. Here, here's my mask when I go to wear one. Oh, that's <laughs> flipping awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, the spirit of Scorpion is with me for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. Scorpion but, approves. Thanks, man. Yeah, I know. So you're, you're busy, man. You're Johnny Cage, you're Scorpion, you're Sub-Zero. I mean, how do you have time to do it all in one day and then, <laughs> and then spend time with me here on this podcast? It really means a lot. So thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. How, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I could keep you here for three hours asking nothing about Scorpion questions. I'm not going to do that to you. I want to, uh, I want to get to know the... The master Pacino, the martial artist, a little bit before we start talking about that. So, uh, if you wouldn't mind, man, like, uh, could you give me a little bit of your history in the in the world of martial arts? Yeah, um, martial arts for me started officially in 1969. Uh, but when I was younger, you know, what led me is is not only you know uh, later on Bruce Lee was a big impact. But for me, uh, growing up, when I was younger, about six or seven years old, on Sunday, I used to watch a TV show with my father. And it was about uh, uh, Charlie Chan, a detective. And this guy would solve, it's a black and white series, and this guy would solve crimes like within an hour, you know, figure that out. But during one episode in particular, I saw him throw this guy, judo, judo throw and throw this guy. So... Uh, I was really like, wow, that was really cool because he's like a short little round guy. And this guy was a big, even though he was a stunt man, it was a big guy and he threw him and uh, took him out. And I was like, wow. And my dad was like, you know, my dad served in the U.S. military and uh, he was like, I could teach you a throw. So my dad actually threw, uh, taught me my first throw, though he was not, probably wasn't proficient because after I threw him one time and he went over and he fl flipped on the ground, he didn't want to do it again. I don't think he, <laughs> I, I think uh, anything he learned was far from gone. Sure. And, uh, but I kept bugging him over the years to, to take me to martial art class. And then, uh, you know, then there was a time when uh, Green Hornet uh, was, you know, on TV and that really made me up my ante and asking him for, for martial art lessons. So in the end, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take you to some. 
So what was the uh, first martial art you actually were proficient in and, and started to learn? Uh, well, still working on, on them. Uh, but the first art I took was uh, judo, Shotokan judo. Wow. And, uh, you know, at the time, there was no real kids class. I had to train with the teenagers. So 13 and up, and I'm like nine years old. And uh, my dad takes me to this judo school to take, to start me in these judo lessons. And he's talking to the guy. And, but it winds up the guy was ex, also ex-military. So my dad was ex-military. This guy was ex-military. And they kind of were like, I don't know how it came about in the conversation, but the guy, in the end, the guy was like, yeah, let's, Let's try him out. Let's see how he does. So, uh, yeah, I, I, there, like I said, there was no kids classes. And actually, in the end, I stopped doing judo because, uh, one, the school closed. But two, uh, I was 16, and I, I went for my black belt test. And I passed my black belt test. But because I was not 18 and an official adult, they would not give me, let me wear a black belt in class. Whoa. So I was awarded the black belt, but I was also awarded a brown and red belt that I would be wearing during classes because a black belt meant more than just knowing the techniques. It's like you're responsible for things. You were able to vote. You can drive. You can make your own decisions. You could pay for your own classes, you know? Right, right. Uh, so it entailed, uh, it was very much different than, than what we see now. But yeah, that was, uh, yeah. And during that too, I did a little, uh, Shotokan or, or samurai jiu-jitsu and two they wouldn't let me into that class until I was 15 so they were all yeah because of the joint locks and things like that so it, it was uh it was a definitely a different time too you know tournaments uh tournaments I, I attended some tournaments but you know for the karate tournaments there was no like hand guards you would wear a cup and a mouthpiece and and these guys would go at it like that sure there's no hard striking to the face, but you know, these guys were still kicking and punching to the face. Yeah. Well, that, that's pretty cool, man. You're ahead of your time. Jiu-Jitsu is so popular now. You know, I feel like when you ask most people where they start, it's usually like karate or taekwondo or whatever, but starting with judo and uh, little jiu-jitsu, that had to lay a pretty awesome foundation for your path. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, too, at the time at the tournaments, uh, even though uh, we could choke each other out, in tournaments so you couldn't apply any arm locks but you can you can apply a choke in, in the uh, in the tournaments in a, uh, 1970 because I didn't do well, a tournament until 1970 so 1970 71 72 I, I won a couple tournaments by choking my opponent out so until you're a kid so I'm a kid there you go <laughs> yeah so yeah so where did that go from there? Did you? I know you're uh, you're black belt in several martial arts, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Uh, yeah. After that, uh, that school closed down, and in about 1974, my dad, uh, my father, he was like, "Man, this keeps you out of trouble, you know, from running around." Because my I had two older brothers at the time, and they were much older than me, so they didn't want to hang out with their little brother, you know. So I was often and uh, Carlos, my youngest brother, was Raiden wasn't quite born yet. And then when he was born, he was still only, you know, one or two years old. So I, you know, me at eight years old, nine years old, I didn't want to hang out with a one-year-old though. I had to babysit plenty. Um, so he just thought that uh, martial arts was a good way for me to spend time, you know, have time with me and training and it gave me good discipline. So he actually 
drove around in Chinatown uh, because my parents' home is really close to Chinatown here in Chicago and ran into a Kung Fu school. And the uh, owner of that school and teacher was uh, Grandmaster Wei Lun Choi, who later on, uh, some of Bruce Lee's students would come in flying to Chicago to take lessons from this guy. He was wow. really... He was really notable. I think he won the 1971 uh, Hong Kong Open, which is, if you imagine, blood sport, but not so bloody, but people breaking bones. Probably, uh, from what I hear, no fatalities, but I hear daily. The, the tournament was, I think, five days, and daily somebody would break a bone on another person. That's you know, serious. Yeah. yeah, it was really serious. So he went undefeated champion of that particular tournament. So he really knew his stuff, and uh, he impressed Dan and Asano. So Dan and Asano took lessons from him, and uh, so I just happened on this guy. But before then, before he, he, uh, these guys came in, and I started taking kung fu from him. Makes sense. That sounds like the only person that would train the soon-to-be sub-zero. <laughs> yeah, I got I got lucky. He is very good, very, very, uh, very wise and old school, old school. I spent I recall. The first two weeks, I, the classes were an hour and a half. And the first two weeks, three times a week, I went. First two weeks, I just did two stances. I would hold one stance. And when you get tired, he'd say, switch the other stance. And go back and forth. And if you get really tired, just do it on the other side. So I did that for like just two weeks to just kind of show some that I was able mentally to handle what was coming. Was that you know, his was, way of like testing you? Yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of like to see how he would teach me. Because again, um, in the Chinese martial arts, uh, not everyone learns the, the, uh, the, what they say, the secrets not, or the whole system. The mm -hmm. little nuances of the style that keeps it, uh, keeps it lethal. Because it, at one time, uh, you know, there, uh, Traditional martial arts is not, you can't put rules on it because it is for taking a life. You know, that's what its purpose is. And that's what, you know, everybody's like, oh, it teaches you peace and stuff like that. And actually that's kind of not true. Or you seek peace after you've, uh, I've had instructors who, who advised me later on. They're like, don't use it for, don't use it to harm people. And then I, one time I was a smart ass to, to one of my Bagua instructors, and I was like, yeah, but uh, Shifu, you killed people with this. And then he turned to me and he's like, I see their faces every day of the people I took Jeez. their life. He goes, they're haunting me every day. And he was already in his mid eighties. Wow. So, so he was like, so don't use it to take people's lives. You'll, you will regret it. So that is, uh, that is what the traditional martial arts are for. They're not for jumping in a ring or doing anything like that, though you can do that, but you know, you are dulling the, the sword. It is not being applied the way it, it, it's meant to be. So anyway, that's kind of no, that's, that's, kinda, that's that, super yeah. interesting, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you hear the argument a lot from especially modern MMA. You know, MMA is kind of on the rage right now in terms of yeah. popularity and everything. That like traditional martial arts have yeah. no practicality in like real world fighting or situations like that. And I, I just, I mean, I, I pretty much know your opinion now based on that. But I did kind of yeah. what you had to say to that. You know? Yeah, Zach, uh, I have a funny story. After I watched the first Ultimate Fighting Championship, 
you know, the uh, Gracie's one. And I was like, wow, that was really cool. He faked them and he shot in and he grabbed the guy's legs and he took them down and he was able to subdue them, you know, submit them. And then uh, we were talking to my Chinese master, Golden Hua, at the time. And, and uh, we're like, oh, uh, we were, me and this other guy, I forget his name. But anyway, we, we pointed out that this jujitsu guy won everybody. And then he's like, and, and my master kind of looked at me strange. And he's like, won everybody. And I was like, oh, I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him what he did and catch him. So I was like this. Uh, so I, I, we tried to explain what was going on and I didn't want to tell him exactly what, how he won, you know, how he shot in and got him because I wanted to catch my master on as like on surprise and be like, Oh yeah, I'm impressed with you. You know? So I wanted to impress him. And, and this is what, so I go to, sh I fake high and go to shoot in his legs and he grabs me as I'm coming in by the jaundice shin and starts turning my neck and I immediately let go. And the guy next to me started laughing. And so, no, no, Master Go, you're not allowed to kill the guy. Wow. And then he looked at me. He's like, well, why do you call it ultimate martial arts? And then the other guy is like, oh, it's a turn. You make money. And he's like, oh, you make money. That's really good. And he goes, but you Americans are really funny. Why would you call it ultimate? Wow. Because, because yeah. his whole thing was if you kill, his first moves kill you. That's his first move. Not messing around. So, yeah. So, right. They are, they are not messing around. So he was just like, and then he was talking. He goes, okay, you can't do that. He goes, but can this? And then he, you know, he's like, shoot in again. And, it, and then he touched my spine with his elbow. And, it, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, even though it was light, he knew how to hit. And boom, it kind of shocked me. And then he's like, no, you're not allowed to break the guy's spine. And then he kind of looked at me and he goes, okay, shoot in again. And he slapped me like real gentle against the ear coming in. And then there, he's like, no, no, you're not allowed to shatter a guy's eardrum. And then, and then, so he was just like, he goes, I just don't understand why you guys call it ultimate. Yeah. He just doesn't get it. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't get it, but he was like, Oh, it makes money. It's awesome. That's so, you know, when we were, yeah, when we were talking about that, he's like, we were really, we really focused on like more of like a combat, like the, digesting the combat he showed me like you know I, I was already a black belt in judo he showed me like lethal throwing where to get the guy where by the time you're halfway through the throw the guy is probably dead broke a spine or broke broke a joint before you even throw so there's there's really there's a really if you look at it uh the martial arts has like really deep applications but you have to find somebody old school you'd have to find that somebody who's like probably now 80s you know, the younger guys now are more sport orientated. So you'd have to find a really old guy to try to teach you the old ways. Well, I'm not calling you old, but what about you? What's, what's your teaching style? Like, I know you have a school. Yeah, I, I don't. I teach the application, okay. but I don't have them unless they really want to try to uh, uh, kind of gently apply it to each other. I really try to stay away from it, but I show them how lethal it could be. You know, I show them like, like, oh, if the guy, you know, if the guy throws a, throws a punch and you can, you know, you punch his wrist this way and shatter the wrist. Or uh, you shatter the wrist, punch, punch to the elbow, break the elbow, and reach up, snatch the throat, and then pull. Gotcha. So it's literally one, one thousand, two, and that's, uh, but again, you have to be okay with taking somebody's life with just a whole different philosophy sure. too, that they extend into.
Yeah, I like the training. I like the discipline. I feel like it's just a great way to, you know, yeah. connect with yourself, stay in shape. And, you know, it works. It's not undeniable. So that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun. It's really, you know, it always keeps me busy. I still like the, uh, that, and that is the art side, is exploring, like, uh, refining your technique, mm -hmm. uh, maximizing your energy, uh, being really efficient as, as, and proficient uh, onto yourself. You know, you can't put anybody else's standards, like, uh, because the mar uh, traditional martial arts, there's so many different styles because they're, you're able to streamline one of those styles for yourself. You know, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are different kinds of wheels, and you got to find the wheel that's going to fit your car. Which one did you gravitate towards the most, if you had to say? Well, right now, I, I practice a lot of, uh, I, I, for internal styles, I do uh, Bagua Zhang, Yin, Yin Fu Bagua Zhang. It's also, uh, there's two types. There's the, hard, there's the big, big, uh, big frame and hard palm. So I, I practice the hard palm, which is... Uh, which, uh, as I mentioned, one of the one of the instructors who who basically did it to the combat level. That's what he preferred to do, and I also like doing the northwestern styles because they're very uh, they're difficult to do and challenging, but they are they are the root of internal martial arts. So before there was internal martial arts, there was these northwestern styles, and somebody finally put it together a system in a way that came out as one of the internal uh, uh, styles, Xing Yi, Bagua, Tai Chi. Okay. There's, there, there's so much to it. I feel like the more you know, it feels like the less you know. Like the more yeah. I try to get into it, it's like, wow, there's so much that I'm you know, still a complete novice on. And uh, I find it just fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. You can practice you, it forever. Yeah, the, obviously it's a lifelong pursuit for you. Yeah. Do you still train every day? And yeah, it. yeah. It's, I still try to do a little, at least a little bit every day. Uh, once in a while, like uh, today, I took a day off. But usually, uh, at least, uh, well, the majority of the time, because I'm a more of a hands-on instructor. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm not going full tilt, I like to practice with my students. Okay. So you know, so and two, most of the students I have are private. So I like to, you know, practice with them and move around with them or kind of go through the technique with them to kind of, you know, so it's, it's still work, kind of working out. Yeah. That's awesome. Do, you, do your private students come to your school or do you go to them? Uh, right now, they, uh, right now we either go to the school or practice in the park because too, it's one-on-one. -on -one, so it's yeah. very uh, COVID safe, you know, everybody, especially with the weapons, you know, you got to keep your distance. Somebody swinging a sword, you can't really get too close. Yeah, that's right. You do too. I forgot about that part of it. You're, yeah. For those that don't know, check out your Facebook. You're on there swinging all kinds of crazy stuff, man. It's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that also helps during this time, you know. That's so cool. When did the weapons part come into uh, play for you with the martial arts training? Actually, the weapons came into play uh with uh my main instructor i like to call him my main master go Jin hua so really briefly he was like uh he was the type of guy where he you know he enjoyed teaching but if you worked out really hard he would teach you a lot and if you worked out not so hard he would teach you still teach you but not so much okay 
And so too, later on uh, in my years, I, I wanted to learn some particular things. And he was like, uh, there was a Chinese guy coming in from, uh, I was in America and he lives in America. And there was a, a guy coming in who, uh, who was like a, a Pequot master, uh, Axich. It's one of the uh, Northwestern styles. It's a uh, martial art. And originally it was used with the guy with armor. So you're using the armor as your weapon besides having a weapon. It's really, it's really interesting. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. If the guy is, you know, your conditioning is you hit a log with your arm and body and then you put a piece of armor on it. And now your, your arm is already used to hitting logs. Now you got an armor, piece of armor on it and then you're hitting people with it. It's, it's devastating. Yeah. It could be, a de it's a devastating martial art. It's, it's truly a military martial art. It's not for, right. it's just for conquest. It's True. not really for, hey, we're going to keep the peace. No, don't take this martial art if you want to keep the peace because it's just for killing, you know, or it's just for taking stuff. But anyway, so this guy was really like, really openly, like I was like, he would, if people wanted to learn weapon, he would teach weapons right away. And then I was like, you know, some of the other styles I took, you took, you taught weapons later. And he was like, yeah, but they're so difficult that let them practice at the beginning because in five or six years, you'll be able to teach them the good stuff. He goes, otherwise, if you start teaching them in five years, they got to stay with you 12, 15 years in order to learn the good stuff. He goes, that not this is America. People don't like to do that anymore. You know, before you, you spent your, if you had a master, chances are you spent your whole life with that one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Develop that relationship and then the trust and that's Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he was just like, and I took that, his philosophy and I teach uh, weapons right to the beginners. If it's your first day of class, you're going to be probably a staff at some point besides doing the other stuff, because it, it is, uh, it's, it's uh, true. You could use it showy, but to really learn it deep and for the art, you have to, you know, uh, really do it a long time. I bet that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. So besides you teach, so you teach weapons. What else uh, at your school do you teach? Um, I start them out with a uh, long fist. Uh, so it's all traditional stuff, right? Yeah, right, right now it's traditional. Before we used to do a lot of contemporary stuff. So if the, if the person is younger, uh, I still include a lot of contemporary wushu as opposed to traditional wushu because it's kind of um, when they reorganized it, uh, the physical aspect is much dip more difficult. Like they, they really want you to jump super high. You have to have splits, you know, things like that to do uh, contemporary wushu. And in traditional wushu, you should also have that. But a lot of people are like, ah, you don't need that. But I think that uh, really, you know, flexibility keeps you out of the nursing home. You know, my, my master told me, he goes, you know what, if you're walking around all uh, if you're in a wheelchair and you have a really good mind, you will eventually still go to the nursing home. Somebody will have to care for you, right. but you could be crazy in the head, but still walk and be physically able to do stuff. And everybody just leaves you alone. I like you know, that. And you, I like and, this you know, he goes, yeah. So he's just like, so flexibility keeps you out of the nursing home. And so yeah. whenever, so I like that, that idea. So not that everybody should have a splits, but I make sure that all the students are trying to do have a majority of time where they're trying to get flexible because that's needed. So I really like to embrace those uh, concepts of contemporary wushu for those reasons. 
they all, yeah. How do you, how do you personally or incorporate flexibility either into your own training or into your students training? Do you have a, you know, protocol that you go for? Or do you just try to stretch every day? Um, that depends on the student, how far okay. they are flexible and, and you could tell their, uh, for lack of a better word, their demeanor. Okay. You know that, you know what I mean? When they come in and you look at them, you, I can tell if they practiced or not. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, so the people that I see, oh, you practice by yourself. So I tried to push them a little bit more, make them a little bit more flexible because I know that they're, that's the way they're mentally and physically geared to able to do that. So that way they're not thinking that I'm just torturing for them for no reason. Sure. You know what I mean? They see, you know, but too, you have, there's different students and, and as a martial artist and having a martial arts school in this time, you have to have students who are super serious, uh, but the majority of students are serious, but they're not devoting their whole 24 hour a, a day to it. You know, yeah. so they're, they're not like super crazy. And then you have some who just want to come and have a little exercise and, and all three, you know, martial arts school, all three of those have value to keep the school going and to keep the art going. So, you know, so I try to see uh, what they actually not only need, but what they're capable of, you know, even if they're super tight, but I see them really, really trying hard, I'll try to push them with their stretching a little bit or push them with their stances or even conditioning. You know, if they're really, I can see, oh, this guy is really, he's turning off the pain uh, mechanism and he just doesn't mind bothering, uh, uh, mind, you know, hitting an object hard, you yeah. know, a couple hundred sure. times. So I'm going to try to help him more and give him more advice on how to be more scientific with it as opposed to just, you know, being a brute with it, which, which goes a long way. For sure. Okay. Very cool, man. Sounds, sounds awesome. Um, how has your training evolved, your personal training evolved over the years? You know, what's, what was a typical training day like when you were, you know, getting ready for Johnny Cage versus now? Yeah, that was more, uh, I would say, when, at the time before, right before, you know, I did, did uh, Mortal Kombat or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I was competing more. So the training was more speed and flexibility not so much. I wasn't embracing the, uh, you know, we'd lift weights still, uh, but the conditioning, the hand conditioning, like, uh, you know, hitting the steel bag or, or kicking and punching on, a, on a, a tree or a piece of wood for just to keep it light because, you know, or, or, uh, or banging stuff on your shins to make your shins real hard so that way you yeah. can use them to block or as a weapon. So that I didn't, now I'm doing more of that as I got older because because I have, I, I find the percussion and they're good for my bones. So my bone density doesn't shrink. So that stuff is really good and scientifically proven to help that. Uh, uh, so I, my, that's how it shifts. But before I used to be more like, Oh, I got to jump really high and yeah. I got to do more of the, more of the, you know, the, for, for, for just for the layman's turn, flashy moves, because in reality, traditional martial arts, doesn't have a flashy move. You just have to understand the concept that it was built under, you know, mm -hmm. and just the style of long fist has a lot of jumping and uh, everybody's like, Oh, jumping's not, you know, you don't jump kick anybody. Well, two, you got to apply it to how they applied uh, their martial art. They used it as a military martial art. So, you know, if you got a group of guys going in and one guy hits you and 
you might be tangling with him and a guy from behind jumps up in the air and kicks you in the back of the head. That has a lot of value. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you got the weight of his body coming and hitting you on the head through your neck and breaking your neck. That's what a jump kick is actually for. It's not, I don't really jump kick the, the guy in front of me. I jump kick one of my, one of my partners, one of my fellow soldiers opponent while he's keeping him busy. So so it's important then to, to get that speed and that jumping part. So in, in traditional martial arts that they kind of teach you like, oh, you just don't jump kick somebody because it won't work. But here's what you can do with it. And, and two, you begin to decipher different moves, uh, have different uh, applications, including even when you're jumping, you could be throwing. I think you see that a little bit in movies, how they wrap around, their legs wrap around. And that is actually an, a traditional idea. Like, 2000 years old. So a lot of people don't realize that they're like, Oh, that's cool. It's new. No, it's not new. That's 2000 years old. It's just nobody ever. It's it, usually guys who know this don't open up freely and tell you about this stuff. Yeah, that's you're yeah. not supposed to know about it. That's why. It's yeah, that's steadily. Yeah. But it, like my training in the morning, wake up, do some stretching, uh, go lift some weights, maybe do some like cardio, uh, go and uh, teach. And Again, uh, uh, I have uh, uh, the, the regime, usually the early morning students all do internal martial arts. You know, they have their own businesses and they kind of have their uh, freer hours in the morning. So usually with those guys, I do either Tai Chi, Shingi or, or Bagua with them. Uh, you know, your listeners could look those up. But yeah. I usually do that. And then later on in the day, as the day progressed, they become more like, oh, uh, learn uh, external styles. So they want to do more like the actual kicking and punching. They want, you know, right now uh, in the night class, we're, we're exploring uh, Chou Chow, which is uh, uh, the Chinese art of kicking. And they have like, uh, they have uh, over 68 different kicks. So, some of them are really crazy. Uh, the art uh, was first written in Chinese history, 960 AD or something crazy like that. Wow, man. So, so you know that if it's written in 960, it was around for probably a couple hundred years before that held in secret because an, all martial arts are best held in secret. So that way when you're, hey, surprise, holy crap, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you mentioned uh, lifting weights. Do you lift weights every day? Uh, lately, no. But uh, until about three years ago, I lifted weights every day. That, so you hear there's two different schools of thought that a boxer or martial artist shouldn't lift too much weights because you can get too bulky and slow. And then there's others that think you should. Where do you, where do you fall with that balance? Um, I find a fallacy in shouldn't lift weights every day. Uh, you shouldn't lift weights every day if you don't have the time to stretch and keep the tendon and muscle flexible because in the end, in the end, for martial arts, flexibility and the tendon and muscle is where the power comes from. Mm -hmm. And if you're a power lifter or something like that, the power is different than martial arts. Not necessarily, you could be a power lifter and you're really strong, but that's a different strength than it's used to punch somebody in the head and make their head explode. Right. You know, there, there are two right. different powers. Absolutely. So, so you can lift weights every day, but you do have to have a strict stretching regime for it right afterwards otherwise it's gonna otherwise it will make you tighten slower and you will not hit as hard you'll look cool 
but in the end, you won't really have martial art power. You'll have, you know, you'll have, you, you might have power lifter power, right. but it, it's it's different. Yeah. So always I would say you could do it every day, but stretch. Yeah. Always want to try to strike the balance between aesthetically looking badass, but actually performing badass too. So that's why I ask. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be done, but again, it's like, you know, it's more difficult as you get older because you have more responsibilities. You know, yeah. you can't, yeah, you can't show up to work late all the time. Yeah. You know, when you're younger, you could show up to work late. Oh, uh, you know, oh yeah, you get, you know, but later on when you come become responsible and have a mortgage or something, you can't be doing that. You know, you usually don't have a job or you can't eat, you yeah, know, if you no. do that kind of stuff. And I like to eat. Same. Yeah. Well, that's why I made fitness work so I can just have time to do it all day. So yeah. Yeah. Fitness and martial arts, but yeah. So I, yeah, I have to tell you the reason why my nerd self got into fitness is because I wanted to look like Sub-Zero or I, cool. I, I just, you know, was yeah. playing Mortal Kombat and I was like, this is just so badass. This dude's so jacked, but he's can also flip. And I just wanted to, I wanted to do that stuff. So literally it was my inspiration. If it wasn't for Mortal Kombat, if it wasn't for you playing these characters, I would not be, not be who I am today. man. So I really, uh, thank you oh, for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's cool to hear that. You know, I never get uh, tired of the uh, the stories of people. You know, people playing the game, or it was a different era when that came out. You know, now it's a now it's uh, you have future generations, but you know, being a little bit uh, hanging out with the the people who usually run a podcast now or or have a, a channel, they're all oh man, we used to you know, play Mortal Kombat with my brother or something like that. It was face to face. It was more mano to mano as opposed to, you know, virtual. Yeah. It was cool times. Yeah, man. My dad was super cool. He gave me, I had Mortal Kombat 2 was my first video game ever. So wow. You got lucky. I was entirely too young to play it, but it obviously had no effect on me in any way. But negative. Yeah. Negative effect. Yeah. Negative effect at all. It was great. It was, uh, it was, it was awesome, man. And I know I've looked up a lot of, um, you know, what you guys brought into the first Mortal Kombat, that was a, um, if I'm not mistaken, basically just kind of like a labor of love. You were helping your friends out make the game, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, John was, uh, uh, I hung out with John uh, sometimes going to uh, arcades or or uh, going to the movies, watching those nerdy movies back then. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu movies, we would go watch Kung Fu movies or, you know, he was, uh, he was an artist and my brother is a uh, graphic artist now but they always used to draw together you know spend time where they're sitting at a kitchen table and just drawing and working on things kind of going over ideas but that's originally how uh how i got into the game people are like how did you uh how did you try out for the game and it's like it wasn't basically a tryout i was just doing a friend a favor you know and and two he realized that uh uh going into the game he was like you know dude whatever you want to put in the game i will put in the game you know, I can't pay you a lot. So any ideas you have, we'll make them real. We're going to do 200 arcade cabinets and we're going to, it's going to, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. And then it exploded, obviously, but uh, yeah, we're not anticipating that, I assume. Uh, no, no. Again, because I was, uh, uh, when we were first talking, uh, when we first, after we pitched the idea to, uh, we put together a, a package and pitched the idea to Midway. Uh, and one of the guys who came for a second meeting representing Midway was Ed. Okay. So I asked Ed if we 
going to make 201 arcade cabinets because I wanted to keep one. Sure. And then Ed is like, no, I promise you we're only going to make 200 because you know how much they're five, $6,000 each game. He goes, we're only going to do 200 games. It's going to be a small game. So there's no way we can do that. And then, you know, and John was like, you're still on board. And, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can still do it. He goes, we can still do, you know, um, one of the things that I requested was to, John had these characters, uh, uh, had this character, Ninja, a, a Japanese ninja. And I told John, well, if you want me to do the game, we have to change the Japanese ninja into the Chinese Lin Kuei. And so I told him all about the Lin Kuei and how, you know, I had the book and it kind of show, showed him how they, they dress differently than the Japanese ninja, the Chinese ninja dress differently. And John was like, okay, we'll put that in the game. And it wound up to be. Yeah, man, that's, yeah. that's so awesome. <laughs> I, uh, was listening to an interview with you and you you have you had brought that up that i actually had that written down as a question i had no idea that they were real i always thought it was mortal Kombat like myth lore you know i never knew that they were a real thing uh actually they they weren't somebody told me later on that it wasn't real but we took the i, I like i took the idea i bought a book in a in a the, uh, in a martial arts school store so somebody else made that myth up okay but but the Chinese armor for uh, during that period did look like, but naturally it wasn't yellow or blue because you know you could see yellow or blue but coming. It, it was dark. It, it more it looked like what Noop Saibat looks like basically. Awesome is what the traditional Lin Kuei look character looked like. But yeah, it's like you know I was like man, nobody's ever done this. This will be the first time that somebody hears about this. This is going to make our game unique. And we were always talking about trying to make it unique because. It wasn't, there wasn't going to be a lot, but we wanted to make it really as cool as possible. So how did that headspace change for you from going into Mortal Kombat 2? Were you uh, already aware that it was going to be bigger or you just wanted to continue what you did on the first one? It seems uh, like you had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, again, it was like for number two, we finally uh, got its budget. Like, you know, in number one, we, we shot we videoed, you know, what people are playing is actually like really controlling the, the actors. So when you're playing Mortal Kombat, you're really controlling me. They took frames, live frames, and yeah. John did add a, 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 what they call a digitized look, look to it, but they're real people. Mm -hmm. So originally we wanted to have the game look kind of like Dragon Slayer. Okay, yeah. But naturally, but that was done on a CD-ROM and naturally this wasn't, this game was not going to be on a CD-ROM, so it didn't you know, wind up looking like that. And, you know, it was adapted and grew over time. But, uh, but for the second game, it was just, you know, we finally uh, got a better camera, digital camera. You know, we shot with Don's dad's high eight camera for the first one. Yeah. So the, the company bought like a, a, a two, the first day of filming when John and I filmed, uh, filmed, uh, test filming because John and I spent about five days creating a pathway to the game, uh, which, which, you know, we would record for the day and then we would tape over it because we were like, Oh, we're not going to use this footage. We're trying to get a feel of what, what, what techniques we're going to use and stuff like that. So we've sent, spent five days of, of uh, actually the creation of MK, which people will never see because we erased it. Oh, no. Yeah. But, uh, but with the second game, it was all digitized. They had a studio, uh, as I was saying, you know, the first day of filming, John, Ed, and I spent about two hours cleaning out a space for us to film before, you know, uh, then, you know, uh, Ed let, let, let John and I 
you know, up to our shenanigans of trying to create a pathway to the game because there were really, we really didn't have any idea of what was going to be in this game. The, the, okay, so you really didn't know going in. No, uh, first day, uh, I was like, okay, what kind? Of, what were we going to do? He goes, here's my shot list, John. And two, you know, I knew John, so he goofed around and he showed me a shot list: high, medium, low. Yeah. Yeah. And then he looked at, Thanks. he looked at me, he looked at me, and then he, uh, like he, he was talking to a mon- monkey. He looked at me. and He's like, okay, go do something cool. And wow. so, That's- yeah. So we, yeah. So uh, he just. We started the camera, and I just started shooting martial art moves, single moves, doing moves. We take a look at it in the camera. We talk a little bit, and then we go and do do this. And we spent, yeah, we spent five days, eight hours a day doing that. That's insane, man. That's hard work. Yeah, it, it, but really fun, you know, because yeah. in the end, uh, again, John really, you know, he's really the the creator of Mortal Kombat. I know, you know, Ed and I get credit for it, Ed more than I, but... In reality, it was it's John is the John is the one who thought of it. You know, originally when we showed when uh when we pitched the game to Ed, Ed didn't think it was a good idea. Yeah. So originally, yeah. So originally, you know, even though he created a lot of uh, a lot of people, you know, he created and helped create it, and is one of the the creators. But originally, when he heard the idea, he didn't think he thought it would be better if we went with a different idea. Interesting. Yeah. So, so. Uh, again, uh, during the second one, we talked so had so many ideas in the first one that we were like, "Oh, cool! We're going to be able to put some of the ideas in the second one." Like originally, we wanted the X-rays, we wanted tag teams, we wanted three every character to have three fatalities, we wanted an additional, we only wanted one Lin Kuei, we wanted a different character. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of different ideas that were like you know we had for the first game that didn't come to fruition that we we started to put in the second game okay did you bring a unique fighting style to each character that you did i was on set for every character and that was my job is to because we were all friends like all the guys who did mortal Kombat hung out together at least the main group came hung out together before mortal Kombat, way before mortal Kombat. Like, yeah, uh, uh, you they, know, like Ho Sung, yeah, Ho Sung, Kung Lao, and Liu Kang, and Kano. You know, I knew those guys since like 80, 88 or something crazy so like awesome, that. Yeah, awesome. yeah, 86 or something crazy like that. So we were training for a long time. So my thing was to make sure that each character was just a little bit different. Everything was just a little bit different and and... I was just like, okay, we got, you know, and then I was around and I could tell, okay, I already did that move or okay, Carlos already did that move. Rich already did that move. We can't, you can't do it exactly like that. We got to change it. Oh, we can't do that move because we already shot that at the beginning and realized because of the 2D uh, uh, effect of filming in a, in a, on a camera, we'll make that technique look exactly like this other technique, you know, because it doesn't have the 3D and it can't pick up the nuances. So I was like, oh, we can't do that. Try this. Do this. Oh, I'm going to help you do this. Uh, you know, so, yeah. yeah, that was really, that's really my job. So you just did a bunch of different stuff for each one, or did you go in like, okay, this is reptile's stance. This is reptile's moves versus, okay, I'm scorpion now, so my stance is different or whatever. Did, or was it just a, kind of a combination? Uh, no, we did each one. Uh, at that point, 
they were all from the, originally all those guys are from the same clan. So Scorpion and Sub-Zero is our brothers. Yeah. It's the original concept. Now they're, you know, and the, uh, the rivalry was for a different reason. But, uh, but so being brothers, I was like, being Kung Fu brothers, that means they have, they're different, but they have, the basics are kind of the same. Sure. So we have to have, the style has to, the fighting, st- fighting stance has to be kind of like, but not quite. And so uh, John was like, that's good. And he goes, can you do four or five? So for the first one, I already did enough, probably enough uh, techniques originally for like four Lin Kuei, four ninjas. Wow. Just in case, just in case they, need, they had time to throw in some more characters or, or like, or that, you know, or uh, so when so we did. the bank already. Yeah. So I did, like, I had to have some old pictures of me doing, like, I was like, oh, take a picture of this stance because it was like for different, you know, I have one that looks exactly like a, a reptile's fighting stance. And then I have two more that d- don't look like any characters that ever came out because they never manifested. They, we never got a chance to, to put those in. Did you have a different costume for each character? Like you had a noob cyborg, a smoke, a reptile? No, we're, they were way, they were way too, uh, we didn't have a budget for that. You know, Johnny Cage's, yeah. Johnny Cage's costume was owned by me. I pulled it out of my closet. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So different, uh, different things, parts that were different people's, you know, I know like uh, for Raiden, the garb on the, uh, the, the braces on the bottom are actually what Carlos used to put on to break dance because he liked to break dance. Nice. So, so he would, instead of rolling up his pants, he would pull these band-aids on the bottom of his, of his legs to keep him from tripping over his pants when he break danced. So he added that to Raiden's costume. So when you look at the old number one Raiden right. and you see those bands, think break dancing, you know? <laughs> so yeah. It was, so each person kind of added different things to their own, to their own, own uh, to their own characters, you know, to John was pretty cool because there was no, uh, there was no, you got to act however you wanted to. So the actors from Mortal Kombat one and two made those personalities uh, out of like, out of the blue, out of themselves from themselves. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, man. That's what makes the original Mortal Kombat game so special. I mean, it's you, you injected your personality, the sense of humor, everything like the, you know, I don't want to talk smack on the new games, but they just don't, they don't do it for me because they, they don't have that magic that those first few games have. And I, I think that's largely because of, you know, what you just said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony uh, Kung Lao always says personality in the pixels. He goes, when you have one guy shooting the whole character, it, there's a, all of a sudden the personality, it's kind of like a photographer. You know, you have those supermodels. Who, who, when they're walking down the street, they look ordinary, but you put them in the front of the camera and a little makeup and you're like, oh, whoa, who, you yeah, know, sure. so they have some kind of, uh, some kind of voodoo between themselves and the camera that all of a sudden, when you look at it, it just, you can, you, all of a sudden you feel that vibration, you know, that there's something special in this. So, you know, Tony always describes it like that. He's like, yeah, when we were doing the, the characters, you know, we were always just that character and every move was that character. They weren't like a generic, oh, you're going to do a kick and then we're going to put that kick for everyone. No, you were doing that kick specifically for that personality and shaping it kind of. It's so weird how you can feel that, you know, 
yeah. from the video game like it, you can definitely it has that like warmth that energy to it like you, you know you can tell you're johnny cage when you're johnny cage you know you love being johnny cage you know the on mortal Kombat 2 when you went you put on the glasses and do like the kiss like that to this day that's still so awesome like that's so Back. Cool, you know <laughs> yeah and, yeah it's fun like i said it was fun and now i feel like johnny cage is like a douchebag you know like they, yeah i think that well too because because uh, uh, in the end, you know, uh, you know, they made me promises. They didn't fulfill them. And then I made a big ruckus uh, over, over it. And uh, I think pers- they changed uh, Johnny Cage personally to kind of insult me a little. But you know, got rid of him. In, yeah, they got rid of him in the third game, which failed. And, and so Scorpion, they, right? Uh, yeah, they get rid of Scorpion and Sub-Zero, too. Because those are characters that I heavily created, co-created, right. collaborated. Whatever they want to call it. They couldn't have those characters uh, because it was my main idea. But, uh, but, and then they came back with a, uh, what did they call it? Uh, trilogy, or they came back with uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, they had a trilogy. They had one more, right? Supreme or something like Ultimate that. Supreme. Ultimate. Ultimate. Yeah, yeah where, where they were like, oh, we tried to do it without what, you know, mm-hmm. just only what you helped create on this part, but not the whole thing. And, and it kind of, failed and we had to bring it back so at least that's that's how i feel and i like to think you know that they came back and we're like oh we need those characters yeah absolutely you need what you you made them they're you it's what you did to them that make them special today um is there any chance that you will be involved in anything in the future with the mortal Kombat? i won't say never because never say never but uh but the way things are right now, chances are slim. As, as probably the majority of MK fans know, uh, you know, Ed and I don't get along. Just because, you know, Ed, Ed worked hard on the game. He did. Uh, but he was also the, the, the boss. He was our boss of MK. Okay. You know, even though John was the main creator of MK, Ed was the boss. And I think in the end, he didn't really, you know, they said I would get this bonus, you know, for helping coming up with, the, these uh, these ideas and helping him with the game, you know, John put me on the side of the first game because of all the help I did for him, uh, and they were like, "Oh yeah, they're, we're going to give you a bonus." And in the end, they, I never I didn't get anything. I didn't even get recognition. You know, until now, people didn't know that I was the main creator of Scorpion and Sub Zero. You know, well, just I'm yeah. to facilitate that, man. I'm trying uh, to thank you. Out there yeah. Stuff like this, man. yeah. So so that being said, you know, I and, get it. Yeah. You know, there's some mistrust harshness and two you know i have a big mouth and you know i might have offended ed and he has a right to be mad at me for for that reason but you know uh unless there's there unless myself uh john carlson rich who were there originally for the pitch to midway all get together at a table with some kind of some guy from keeping us to rip from ripping each other's throats out fatalities yeah come and come and just air out everybody's grievances i don't think anything that would happen you know all right well i in a perfect world what would you do differently to the get you know if you were involved in the new games or if you're in the new movies even i know they're making a new movie they're making they're really expanding the universe now for the modern generation if you were involved in any way or could be what would you do differently um, I had some ideas that I'm going to, because uh, I'm going to try to explore doing a retro fighting game. So I had a, some ideas for MK3 to change it a little bit because, 
you know, MK1, you see a difference when you go from NK1 to 2, but then all of a sudden it starts taking on a more, uh, uh, not to offend anybody, more cookie cutter approach. You know, the characters kind of look the same. They might have a different fatality, but they all kind of look the same and do the same moves. You know, uh, you know what I mean? It's uh, personality definitely gets lost after two. Yeah. Yeah. So I had like some ideas of what I could do. So hopefully uh, when this virus slows down a little bit, I get the opportunity. I've been talking to some people about maybe coming out with a a retro fighting game and then you can kind of see where those ideas Awesome. come out so i don't want to really say that yeah as, don't, don't say anything that's all yeah yeah. yeah yeah and as far as the movies I, as long as you know originally i always thought when we you know i met with kavanaugh the producer of mk and we wanted to really make it dark and i think uh he didn't make it dark because you know he could get you know if he goes pg 13 kids you know he could get, make more money but originally i thought that the mortal Kombat because we did have fatality and blood i thought that should be in the movie i thought it should be a little bit more darker you know i i like the dark batman i like superman and his fallacies i like the the the, that type of thing is is real and i think that hope it looks like the new movie has that and i like that idea awesome man yeah i agree obviously i mean yeah i'm in the horror that's our whole thing fitness for the misfits so i'm i'm all into the dark part of the uh that's why i like mortal kombat 2 just because it's a little bit darker than the first one and i think they could have cultivated that a little better in the films personally yeah, so so do I. But you know, they have the rights, and it's their, their baby. They could do whatever they want. But I, I, think I would ask would you like to that. be the fight coordinator if I was in charge on the new movies. Yeah, thank you, thank uh, you. That would be would would that be something you would do? Oh yeah, heck yeah, I would. Yeah, uh, yeah I, you know, I'm flexible enough to do it. No, I've been studying martial arts long enough to have uh, to be able to insert some unique ideas. I bet. Yeah. Are you um Are you a fan of the uh, the John Wick movies? Actually, I really enjoyed one and uh, two somewhat, but the third one I saw and I thought the fight scenes were, were okay, but I thought they were just uh, magnified from the first one. Yeah. You know, sure. I, yeah. So I really enjoyed it and they he did good work. They did good work, but I think they could have, uh, I don't know if they could have went in a little bit different direction with the fight scenes away from, you know, but it's hard too, because, you know, I'm a big star Wars fan and, and I like all the star Wars movies, even the bad ones, because I'm a star Wars fan, but I'm also a star Trek fan, but I don't want star Trek to get crossed up in star Wars. So there, so the John wick movies too, could be like, Oh, this is who John wick is. So you can't, change things too much because now you're not no longer John Wick. Mm-hmm. You know that so this is his style, this is the way he fights, you know, but I do enjoy him. And heck, I will pay money to go see the fourth one. Yes, awesome. Yeah. And I um I only ask is that I think his last name Chad I'm gonna butcher his last name, I think Laskinski, Chad Stilinski is the uh director fight coordinator he did the matrix and uh, he was in like blood sport back in the day that dude's like deep rooted in um in martial arts and i think the story for the john wick movies goes he kind of learned took all the technique he learned over the years and working on films and games and stuff like that and just kind of saved like all the cool shit and then just made his own thing with john wick and like I could totally see you doing something like that as why yeah, I break up. yeah it, was pre- it was pretty cool it was pretty cool yeah man yeah. So, um, 
just a few more questions for you, brother. I'm just interested in um, what is your personal favorite Mortal Kombat character and fatality, whether you perform them or not? My favorite character is Johnny Cage, not only because it looked like me, but he was the father of all the Mortal Kombat characters. We, uh, which, yeah, he was the first character we created. Okay. You know, he mapped out all the moves. You know, uh, he, uh, most of the techniques you see in there, the way the direction of the game went was thanks to, uh, he didn't have a name, but that, at the time it's Johnny Cage. Yeah, uh, Johnny Cage character. And uh, my favorite fatality, I oh, naturally I created too, is Sonya's Kiss of Death. I really. Uh, oh, you yeah, created that? That's yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah. So you know, I thought it was a uh, uh, kind of unique to kind of use that uh, femme fatale kind of movement in the game. So that is my favorite fatality. What was um, you know, because those pictures are you know you basically right? Then we Mortal Kombat two and stuff. They're. Uh, you know, those guys look Scorpion Sub-Zero all jacked and ripped and stuff. I was wondering, what is your, uh, what was your tr typical training day like in that day, those days of uh, making Mortal Kombat? You know, how hard uh, you hitting the weights and what were, was, your, was your diet like and all that stuff? Uh, hard, training was hard. I'd get up at like four, go be at the gym at 4.30, uh, depending on the day, lift first, a lot of running. Okay. You know, uh, Mortal Kombat 2, I think I was running uh, at least 10 miles every other day with, oh, with, with, you know what I mean? Uh, three to four days a week. Wow. So, yeah, keeping, wow. trying to keep, uh, you know, uh, just trying to keep lean muscle, uh, heavy, uh, lifting a lot. At one time, I think, uh, and I think during Mortal Kombat 2, I could squat, I was 100 and... 60 pounds and I could squat free weight squat 505 pounds twice to the floor. Oh man. All full squat, full squat all the way. My butt was literally two or three inches from the floor. I got a lot more training to do. But you know, but that's, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. You know, uh, about three years ago, I had a knee replacement and probably that, probably helped a lot even though that doesn't kind of slow me down but you know it's you pay a price it. for all that stuff legacy's worth it you take the knee replacement brother that's badass <laughs> yeah i actually yeah i don't i don't regret it because i don't you know know hardly know anybody who's like oh you know i hear people oh i could squat 300 pounds or uh, i was and then i just think i think well add 205 pounds and lose 30 pounds and then you did what i could do that's insane yeah that's awesome man yeah. So, so weights hard every running 10 miles every other day, weights hard every day, every other day. And then filming. And then, and then, uh, then practicing and then going to film mortal Kombat, and then practicing again at night. Where did this, where did the flexibility fall in all that just all throughout the day or uh, stretching every time you, every time I lift, I got to stretch. So every, after every exercise, uh, period, I would, I would stretch. So that's why, you know, in the end, you see me do splits because I could, I could do the splits, can you know, you all the still, way around. Can you still do the Johnny Cage split nut punch? Uh, if I warm up, yeah. If you had to, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I, now a little older, a little wiser, I warm up. Before I was like just dropping into it. You know, I did that first game. I think I did the splits like 50 times. And the first few times was really difficult because uh, it was on concrete. And then... Uh, if you look at uh, the making of, you'll see Ed spreading some powder. 
that's actually baby powder from my rope dart. I used to uh, work uh, the scorpion's weapon is the rope dart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they changed it to the kunai, which is used for climbing and digging. It's not really a weapon how people think they use it. But anyway, uh, so I had that weapon. And so I was like, oh, if you take powder in the floor, it's going to make it slippery. I'll be able to do the split like more times because otherwise I'm going to just doing the split. So we did the split like 50 times, like 10 different ways. That's insane. What, what is your, what is some of your training advice? I, I'm me personally, I like really close to getting the splits and I just can't take it to that extra point that I need to do it. I work on it all the time. What, what should I be doing? Master Casino. Uh, if you are really want the splits, it's a little painful and or uncomfortable, but uh, hold, like it is, uh, get into the split and then lift your hands up and hold them up for 10 to 30 seconds. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just try that isometric, isometric stretching will really do that. Contract and uh, if you, quads. yeah, that contract the quads too, it'll give you strength with, with your kick. Okay. So that way, you know, a lot, like if you see a dancer throw a kick, you know that, you know, even though it hurt you, it wouldn't really take you out. Okay. You know, but but, you know, if you practice this way, when you kick somebody in the, in the face, it's going to, you know, they're, they're going to really feel it. It builds that isometric strength in the, in the muscle fibers, right? Yeah, it, okay. yeah, it sure does. And you'll be able to do splits. Thank you. I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll send you progress. I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> nice, yeah. What was the, uh, what was the diet like in the Mortal Kombat days? Crap. Was it nice? Yeah, I, I kind yeah. of figured, man. I didn't want to say, but that's you know, yeah. working out that hard, you can probably get away with it. Yeah, you get. I I recall that I can. Uh, man, I'm a big pizza lover, even today, and I could eat a large pizza and a six pack of beer and not gain a single ounce, because it was just you know when I got up for that ten mile run, it would be burned right off. Yeah, it probably helped fuel it, man. I mean, yeah, the yeah you're just every other day. You yeah, anything. Yeah, you're just throwing everything in. You could eat whatever you want, you know. But again, it's not recommended because you will have consequences later on in life. But at, at the time, I enjoyed it. And for that, you know, uh, at one time when I weighed in for a, uh, an event, some guy was like, hey, can I take your body fat? And I think I tested under 4% body fat. So it was like really, really crazy. You know, I was just like, yes, I was yeah. pretty solid. Yeah, you're bringing in that scorpion hellfire levels of fat burning. For yeah, sure. With yeah. It. So yeah, so yeah, just and, uh, yeah. Just so what's what's the diet like today versus then? Uh, the diet like today is still about the same, just not as much. I like still that. Eat, yeah, I, I, like I yeah, I just uh, you know if there was a if somebody approached me and said, hey, you got to lose weight for this, okay, I will do that. If there's a project and I got to lose weight, I will lose weight, but I don't want to lose weight just for vanity anymore i just okay. want to because i i practice martial arts and you know it gives you a confidence i don't need to look badass when you are badass so uh, that's so you know you for, feel like you can perform at a very high level eating pizza versus eating you know salad and chicken yeah yeah as, as far as uh, too yeah as far as combat naturally if you want to do a performance if i'm going to be in a movie then you have to lose weight because that's just a different it, you're not really doing combat. You're doing a performance. You got to look the part. You know, you got to be able to do everything. But so. just getting up and training and doing your thing, that, that, that's, that's good fuel for you. You feel yeah. good. That's, that's yeah. what you need. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. That's so, my path. So deep dish pizza? 
or rate or East Coast style New York pizza? Uh, I do not discriminate. Even even I. bad even bad pizza is okay. You yeah. know, I, if it's bad, I will still eat it all. I'll just complain about it a little bit. So yeah, so for me, pizza is pretty. The only thing I don't like is anchovies and pineapple. No anchovies or pineapple on it. I'm with you, man. We we agree on a lot. This is good. Where, great minds. Great minds. Sure, man. Where's the best pizza in Chicago, in your opinion? The best pizza in Chicago. I love Chicago. P by Pequod's. Way. Yeah, Pequod's. I would say Pequod's yeah. Pizza is the best pizza in Chicago. Been but there the a best pizza. pizza Been there a pizza. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. But the best pizza I've ever had was in Argentina. No way. All right. Yeah, way, yeah. dude. Oh, you got to go. And not even one place. Like I had, because I'm such a pizza lover, I was there, I think I was there for 10 days, and I had a slice of pizza from a different place every day, and it was all, I couldn't get a bad piece. And I could, and I couldn't get a legend, I could not, every, every piece was legendary. It was like, holy cow, this is like, you know, if you're, if I was going to, if I had enough money to retire right now, I'd move to Argentina just to feed on pizza all day long. That's fascinating. That's great to know. Hey, next time I'm in Argentina, pizza all day. Yeah. Have you ever been to, uh, have you ever had pizza in Pittsburgh? Uh, I had pizza in Pittsburgh. Man, I don't know the name of the place. Well, hey, next time you're in Pittsburgh, let me know. Okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Definitely. And next test, time I'm in Chicago. Test my might. Yeah. Test yeah, my might. Test next my time you're in Chicago, we'll go to Pe hit Pequod's. That'd be awesome. And I would, uh, I would love to, if it, I would love to stop by your school and yeah. get, a, get a training session in, man, that would be a, a huge, huge honor. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're welcome. Just get over here. <laughs> <laughs>